This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 48 of season two. And I've just come back from my favorite place, and I would love to tell y'all that I feel rejuvenated. <laughs> I really would love to tell you that. But um, yeah, clinical exhaustion is a thing. I just pushed a little bit too hard. I have so many side jobs trying to piece together this uh, post-apocalyptic life (laughs) after losing my career. And we get by, but it doesn't allow for any downtime. And so one of the things I hope to be able to do by next year is quit one of these side jobs, one of these uh, soul-numbing jobs that never lets me have a day off. My Patreon is just over 70 supporters, and when I get to 100, I might be able to do that. So, And in addition, then provide, you know, twice the content. So hopefully that is what I'm headed for. I'm just going to manifest the hell out of that one. But it was a wonderful trip, just wonderful, except for one incident. And that incident is something I wanted to speak briefly to today. When I first started taking my children to this little island off the Georgia coast, and no, it's not Savannah, although it might as well be. But back then, of course, I took the children on all the tours, you know, all those things to learn the history. You know, this was a long time ago, (laughs) and internet wasn't that fast for me, so there wasn't a lot for me to be able to learn until we went there. There was a little bit, but you know, you get the real juice when you go and talk to the locals. So we went on the carriage rides. I have a photo that is also stuck in my head of my now 30-year-old and 26-year-old, and they're tiny. (laughs) And they're sitting on the velvet seating of this uh, horse-drawn carriage. And they're so excited. You know, they had never been exposed that often to horses, which is a shame. But that exposure does cost a soul very dear. And I didn't have that kind of money. So just to be drug around on a horse was just magical for them. And they were fairly too young to be able to understand a lot of that history. They got a little bit of it, but since they were little, they just enjoyed so much getting, you know, the background stories of anything. That being our last memory of a tour, we sort of jumped on the idea of doing it again. I had my oldest son with me, but I also had a dear friend of mine, Miss Linda, and my son had his girlfriend, and they had never been before. I think Linda had been as a child, but they had never been as adults and didn't know any of the history. So we jumped on the opportunity when we heard about the ghost tour that was happening on this tiny little seven-mile island. I wanted some refreshers, too, and they said we could bring our wine, and y'all know how I feel about that. So we gathered our libations and 
went down there at dark and we're all excited. Of course, the, I don't know, joy of the whole thing did start to diminish when our guide only wanted to talk about, I guess, her own life experiences and we didn't get any real ghost stories at all. But still, it's so nice to be carried through in the dark, you know, like that. And alone, that wasn't going to ruin anything. What did ruin it? And what I'm still grappling with is my reaction to it was this moment where she hitched up the beautiful horse that was pulling our carriage. And I think something had spooked him. He didn't want to go. And she screamed at him, you better move your black ass. And when she did, I don't know, even though he was black, it was a horse. (laughs) I'm sure you can kind of see where I'm going, right, y'all? Go ahead and nod your head if you see where I'm going. Mm Mm-hmm, I thought so. It still kind of hit funny, and it jostled a nervous laugh out of me. And when she heard it, she turned around in her seat, and she said, Oh, good, I have to be so careful how I talk around folks. But now that I know y'all are cool... And she launched into a diatribe that included the N-word. You know, I've got anger tears welling up again. And I called the manager about this because I didn't want to be, you know, a Karen. I didn't want to, I don't know, maybe the content of my complaint automatically excludes me from being a Karen. But it's still, I don't, you know, want to ruin a whole business or disparage a whole business from one tour guide. But when I called her about this, I was in tears from uh, rage, really. I'll get to her response. It wasn't what I'd hoped for. But she made fun of my emotion. But let me continue. As the tour guide went on and on about specifically black people and even made a joke of a ghost story that included children of color, Sorry, y'all. It's it's very... Mm. I still have nothing to punch. You know what I'm saying? So, as she continued on, I think when she turned around and she saw my physical reaction, I was holding on to the rail. I was considering jumping off of a moving carriage. That was where my head was. I couldn't find vocalization. I was so shocked. I'm still upset about my reaction. I really wish I could have found it. I remember thinking briefly, oh no, I'm going to ruin this moment that cost a hundred (laughs) dollars. I'm going to ruin it for everybody in this carriage. And I think that that thought had me lashed to my seat, but you could still, you know, ascertain where I was coming from on my face. And When she saw that, she attempted to save the situation. Bless it, but maybe not really. Mm. And the way she decided to do that was to tell us a story, specifically looking at me over and over, about a woman that she had on her tour that was more racist than her. And this gave me an opportunity to sort of untether myself a little bit from the moment that had me frozen because she was telling us what that woman said. And um, it was really shocking, utter garbage. Um, She even went so far as to tell us how she admonished this woman. 
because, you know, this particular word she was using for black people was only for a specific category of them. And, you know, that was okay. If y'all are from the deep south, I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it, but I know you know what I'm talking about. These white folks out here who think it's okay in certain situations. I just, I just can't. See, I've got anger tears again. Anyway, it gave me an opportunity. And my mouth opened suddenly and I said, well, that woman needed her mouth knocked out. (laughs) Uh, But here's why I'm bringing any of it up. I'm not going to get into my ancestry too deep because it's private. And I don't want to use it as a warrant for anything. However, I will say that they were very, and this is what brings me to tears, very disappointed in me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we sometimes have to speak for the trees, and we sometimes have to speak for any horror that is going on and needs to change. But when you have a close relationship with your ancestors and the veil's getting thin already, and some of that horror that this bigot was um, espousing would have hit a little too close to home for some of my kin, mm. They expect you, well, they, no, I don't know what your ancestors expect out of you. I have no idea. Regretfully, well, maybe not regretfully. Anyway, the situation in my case is that my ancestors work the hell out of me. (laughs) They work me. And of course, for that, I get a lot of protection and I get a lot of love. I feel it's my job and my duty and part of just being a noble human being to respect and honor their wishes when I find them and when they're made clear to me. But in this moment, I feel that I disappointed them. Because to me, and I've been saying this to myself for days, what mattered more than causing a scene or ruining everybody's good time with a little reality slap was to do the right thing, was to say the right thing. And maybe if I had in that moment, A little bit more than, you know, using a story to kind of get my opinion across. If I had said, stop, stop the carriage now, jumped off of it, turned around and said, I'm not going to listen to that kind of talk and you ought to be ashamed. If I had done that, yeah, they would have lost their moment. They wouldn't have had a wonderful carriage ride. But I found out later that they weren't having a wonderful carriage ride. My son in particular, raised by his mama, y'all, you know, it ruined it for him. It did. He couldn't feel anything anymore. He went numb. And so I went on back home. It was the end of our trip. Got back home and decided to talk to the owner of the business and was told that, you know, some folks just still have their ways, honey. And you got to understand how that goes. And it's not cool what she said, but I'll talk to her and it won't happen anymore. She also told me that she was surprised and I felt emotional about it because I was white. Mm -hmm. Made special note of that. How could I be so upset? However, if we ever go back, she'd be happy to let us have a, a tour on her. And that's when everything really, really hit me. I love this island, but I love it not for its history. 
I love it because of its trees, uh, live oaks. I love it because of the time I've spent there with my sons growing up all those years by ourselves. And I love it because of the rocky beach and the ocean, the sea turtles. I love it for all of those reasons. What I cannot love it for and what I need to be very careful about in the future is the, um, the horrors that it was built on. The millionaires. You know, the one story that woman did tell us was how the government stole that island away from all those millionaires. And what a travesty of justice it all was. <laughs> ah. And you know what else she told us? That for, I think she said 50, but let's lower it down to like 40 something years after slavery was abolished. She showed us in between the two stacks of the old house at the very top where multiple slaves had died because they were sent up there to be hidden during that time. You know, but maybe I needed this tour. I had a tour in racism. I had a tour in horror. You know, if I believed in sin, this would be the place to find it. And I do believe it's okay to love a place for itself, you know, for the geography, for the rest of it. But I don't think it's responsible of me to have taken my boys there all of their growing up years and not really dug in to what else built that place. And what else built that place was slavery. And we have to remember it. Do y'all know that there is a slave grave there and they like to point it out when you're running past it real fast and no headstones, nothing. It's just, oh, yeah, that's um, where they were. Mm -hmm. I needed to have done better as a mother. And I love that island, but that island needs to do better to honor the real blood and sweat and lives that went into building it to what it is today. Or at least... <laughs> At least that's what my ancestors are telling me. That's what they're saying. You know, you can't love a place without understanding everything that went in to build it. You just can't. And it's not the soil's fault for what is spilt upon it. However, even that soil wants somebody to honor it. Y'all know the older I get, the more I learn. <laughs> I've told y'all before, we're not just naturally wise. And in fact, if we don't take all the lessons that we learn as witches and just people and turn it into wisdom, we can walk around with the lessons all day long just jangling in our heads. It takes work to make them into something more than that. The next time something like this happens around me, I'm going to make a scene. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go jail or anything, but I'm going to say exactly what I think. Because I tell y'all what, my field of fucks, there's only a few left in it. <laughs> there's just a few. And I think this last one needs to be plucked. It's okay to cause a little good trouble, as my favorite pastor likes to say. <laughs> the only one I've ever met who loves witches. It's okay to throw a little fit, especially if it halts racism, bigotry, misogyny, Anything like that in its tracks, even if it's only for a moment, we put our hand up and said, stop. I will not sit for it. I will not stand for it. You're going to hear yourself called out. There will not be 
if I can help it, unless I'm, you know, mute for some reason, there will not be another time that I'll let it pass me by. Now, I've always been called an idealist, and I have stood up for a lot of things that have cost me quite a bit. However, this one slid right past me. It did. And the next time we go to our beloved island that has our history on it of riding bikes and spending time together, you know, I was a single mom and and all that love and wonder and adventure. The next time I go, I'm going to have as much of the real gritty history that I possibly can, you know, that undercarriage, if you will, of how this um, Millionaire's Island got built. Because that's a story that needs to be told. And it needs to be told riding a bike in the dark through all of those places. The graveyard, the old pathways between the slaves' quarters and the main house. And those stories are not being told. Next time I will tell them. If I can find them all, I will do my research. But anyway, I thought I would share with y'all that. I don't know what you might get out of it. And I will say that a lot of people talk about regret and it's so, I guess, cool to say, I don't have any regret. This life made me who I am. I call bullshit for myself anyway, because I do have a regret and any regret that I have, I fully created it myself. Have you ever thought about regret like that? You know, it's always a choice or a lack of one that I created, that I made. So I don't want any more if I can keep myself from creating it. I want to make it stop. Therefore, there's one more fuck out of my garden of them that is being plucked. And one of these days, you will behold it and it will be barren. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. I have a letter I wanted to read today. And this letter, I don't know for sure how to pronounce your name, honey, but I think it's Desos or Dasos but it's a beautiful name. So let's move along. And this one is referring to that one I did on Crohn's and Hags. And here it is. Hail Seba. I was listening to you muse about the word hag on your latest episode. And as someone who considers herself an aspiring hag, I felt compelled to share some thoughts. I've been called a lot of things over my days in this world. Some crueler than warranted. As a child, I was called many things for my physique, or my impediments, or my inability to perform gender to the liking of my community. One such word they called me backfired in a big way. Queer, they slung at me, and it failed to land the barb they meant. Maybe I read too much Victorian literature as a larva. I don't know, but the word did not register as an insult, so much as an acknowledgement. I felt seen and accidentally validated. Here they were, admitting they didn't like me, simply for being strange or different from them. They couldn't even muster a negative adjective. (laughs) Oh, honey, I do love somebody who understands things like that. Mm -mm -mm. Anyway. She goes on to say, and I delighted in it. Even the sound of the word pleased me. Here was a label I could dive into, could roll around and curl up on. I took a quiet victory against them every time they used my term of secret empowerment. From the moment I realized an effort was being made to reclaim it, I have found queer to be the best descriptor of my gender expression and experience. 
In early encounters with the craft, I ran into a lot of bigotry hidden behind concerns about biology and gender essentialism. While I know such attitudes are not universal among practitioners, I remember remarks to the effect that I would and could never be a crone because of a chromosome, because of the circumstances of my birth. This, by the way, honey, also just drives me insane. I just want to take a break here and say what I've been talking about for years with other witches that I just don't understand from the larger community is so many of us believe in past lives, for instance. It's just a a sidebar. This isn't the reason for anything. But if we believe in past lives and those experiences, do we believe we were always the gender that are, or let's call it sex because that's more appropriate, the sex our body has assumed. And if not, then why can't we get groovy with this? (laughs) You know, why? Anyway, they'll learn, baby, or they'll die out. Anyway, where were you? Here you are. Got it. The policing of femininity is something that the craft reckons with even today. It's not as loud and overt as what evangelical Christians do But that's why it goes on unchallenged. And that's almost, well, even more insidious. But I found a path that encourages me to explore and delight in liminal places and spaces, including between the gender binary. One liberating read was Jailbreaking the Goddess by Lassara Firefox Allen. In it, she challenges the threefold goddess as being ultimately shaped by a woman's usefulness within a patriarchal structure. She offers a five-fold goddess model, wherein the various modes are defined by the goddess's experience of her own power and growth. They are moved through non-linearly, much like the stages of grief. While working through the bardic grade of study within the order of bards, ovates, and druids, one is challenged to go into an internal landscape to meet wisdom and innocence. Going through that encounter had a huge impact on me. Not only was it the beginning of my exposure to shadow work, but it was there I met wisdom, who revealed herself to me as the hag. And it felt just like the word queer felt the first time I pondered it. Like a homecoming. It hit me that a swamp hag is exactly the witch I aspired to be. My own femininity, like that of the hag, may not be everyone's cup of tea. But my masculinity isn't either. But it is mine, and it is powerful. I love the idea of the word hag being reclaimed as a title of empowerment alongside crone. I really appreciate your show and your accent. I sit on my back porch, watching grackles and sparrows eat the seeds I scattered while the sun tea changes color and listen to you talk the craft. What a blessed way to pass an hour. Blessings from the oaks and palms. Desos Croissant. This is just gorgeous, honey. First of all, are you sure you're not an English major because, or could you be in one of my courses? I love it. What I love is anything that reclaims power. And I love that you are claiming all of it. Queen. Queer. Hag, crone, do it, baby. Only you know your experience within your own body. What it feels like 
what these changes are within your soul, within your mind. This is your journey. You know, a long time ago, and very far away, when I was a full-time academic, Judith Butler, who I do love, I do love, because she has stretched my brain for decades. So I do love her ass. But I remember getting so angry with um, her book, Gender Trouble. And honestly, until she came along and did Undoing Gender, this uh, performing gender thing, yeah, I mean, we can perform gender. That's been made crystal clear. I think it's when we are denied the expression of the authenticity of our gender as a performed construct that I I can't live in a world like that. Because that means that if I want to be feminine, it's just an act I'm putting on for you. If I want to feel my more masculine side, which by the way, I have one. There is a very masculine side of me. I didn't sit down and prepare a skit for that. No. No, like I've said, we can perform gender. And I also believe that we can perform our own. Put it on display. Um, really blow it up. Add the glitter. But there is an authenticity that I live. Something that exists outside of photos or stages or whatever. And that is not up for somebody else. I'm not going to allow them to put their little cute eraser on that and draw it in a way that makes sense to them. That's never going to happen for me. You know, back about 20 years ago, I wrote a piece about the word bitch and talked about how, you know, the women that have been called bitch in the public forum historically have usually been the women who are threatening the patriarchal system. Mm hmm. And so when people called me bitch, I would own it and enjoy it because that's exactly what I wanted to do was threaten that damn system. Anyway, I want to be honest with you, sweetie, I am still working through how I feel about crone. I am in a physically female body. And so I've gone through some very physical changes that would align with crone. I just don't feel that they're actually working with my spirit very well. And it's causing quite the fracture for me between um, the body, my heart, you know, my life, the real me that's beating, thumping inside of this body. I'm going to look into this book because I'm looking for something that can do the rest of this expression of what I'm going through. Because, yeah, it, it does hinge a little too much on essentialism. And I hated essentialist feminism when I was a younger woman um, because I felt that, no, I wasn't just a mother. That wasn't the whole of me was being that mother. Now, to be fair, it has been this unbelievably integral part of my life that I wouldn't have anyone take it away. I'd fought fist to cuffs over that one. But it just wasn't all of me. And I think essentialism has sort of slid under our radar in the witchcraft world. Definitely in the pagan one. And we were so into nature, but we're not so into nature outside of our understanding of it. And yeah, there's work to be done here. Serious work to be done here. But if I could give you, and I don't know if I'm free to do so, but so I'm not, I'm going to say if I could. (laughs) See that little trick. 
If I could give you a piece of advice, it would be never wait for anyone. Doesn't sound like you ever have, but never wait for anyone to give you permission to claim anything about your identity. Let's see, what am I? Well, I'm a bitch and I'm a grandma. I'm not ashamed of that. I mean, so many people are like, don't call me grandma. Well, honey, you aren't dealing with your shit. That little girl calls me grandkitty. Mm-hmm. And that's my name, grandkitty. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. But I'm also a scholar. And I'm a tree lover. And I'm one hell of a witch. I am so many things. Definitely working on being a hag, honey. There's so much freedom in being a hag. And I think being a hag is so outside of that, um, for lack of a way to put it, geophysical designation that I can own it either way. And if there's more freedom in it, then that's where I want to land. So thank you so much for writing in, sharing your experience. I think you're going to make a beautiful hag. And also... I know you sent me something else about the fact that you are indeed a weaver, an artist, and we're doing Weaver November. I want to focus on how people are putting their magic into the craft. I'm hoping to have an interview with, or I got a couple of lineups, but I don't know. We don't have it solidified yet. Um, but I have Silver Workers, Silversmith, um, Hackcraft Farm. We're hoping to get her on the air. And talk about her processes. I don't have a woodworker yet. (laughs) Hoping to find one. And I don't have a painter yet. And there's only so many I can fit into November. But it's wonderful that you are this too. And anyone listening. If you do have these stories. That you want to share for Weaver November. Let me know. I'm going to run a little bit out of time on this. In the next week or two. Because I have to do them ahead. So go ahead and write them in. Don't forget to let me know your pronouns. Well, I guess I've got to wrap it up, y'all. I know most people just wait until someone to do the whole ancestor table and honoring of their dead. But the very first thing I want to do is honor the dead of this land. Before we get there, I want to give them lots of time. But before I go, let's hear a word from our sponsor. And then I've got one more thing to tell y'all. Here we go. Y'all need to check out Hagcraft Farm, an organic farm that focuses on community, especially as it pertains to women, queer folk, and witches. Leanne, the resident farmer and crafter, makes every beautiful piece of clothing right there on her farm in Cordois Swamp along a tributary stream at the Blackwater River in rural Virginia. All of her fabrics used in her craft are made of natural fibers or remnants saved from a landfill. She focuses on making sizes that flatter all bodies and goes out of her way to craft any size with no extra charge whenever possible. Part of the fun at Hagcraft Farm is that they also represent an artist collective. Some of these magical pieces are designed by a collaborative effort between the farm and two other crafty ladies. Her newest collection is called Nag's Head and will be releasing on October 23rd at 4 p.m. Inspired by Leanne's time growing up on the Outer Banks, these pieces evoke a piratey, swampy, marshy, and witchy sense of spirit and include a free-with-purchase candle from Odin's daughter. 
These are ritually hand-poured wood-wicked candles that y'all need for Samhain. Y'all can preview Hatcraft Farms' Swoonworthy collection over the course of the next week on their Instagram, their Facebook page, and the website, as well as TikTok. Support witches, y'all. All right, y'all. Well, the other thing I wanted to tell you is that I am going to be doing a giveaway, a bit of a raffle. And I thought I was going to do it before the end of the month, and I just cannot get to it. And so it will be for Weaver November. And in it, I'll let you know later all the neat things that are going to be included. But most of it will be from the farm. I have a lot of neat stuff that I do. And I want to include it. Teas, dried herbs, all kinds of special stuff. And I will let y'all know here in the next few weeks how to participate. Just be watching for it. I'm not going to announce it a whole lot. All right, I'm out of here, y'all. Got work to do out in my little woods. Hope y'all are getting ready for sowing. Love you like chicken. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.